WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart. Today's show is a best of special featuring our producer's favorite segments of 2021. We call it Producer Picks. To start off this hour, AOI producer Zach Goddard-Cohen has selected our interview with actor and author Nick Offerman. Offerman joined us to talk about his book, Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside. When he talked to us in October, he was really walking the walk outside. Here's Zach with the backstory and what made this interview special. We'd been working with Nick's publicist to get him on the show, and I'm pretty sure we had him nailed down for a Friday, and then on Thursday afternoon, the day before, they had to cancel because of a family conflict. And they were really so, so nice about it. Um, but anyway, Friday afternoon, they get back to us and they say, we're really, really sorry again. Um, he can do Monday. Is it okay that he'll, he'll just be finishing up a shoot with Scott Simon in Central Park? And could he call in from a quiet bench? Is that okay? And I'm pretty sure that email came through while we were all in our uh, daily All of It meeting. So I asked the group and the whole team was like, um, yes, of course, Parks and Rec's Nick Offerman can join from Central Park. Uh, it was really, really an exciting idea. And I'm so glad that he did because the book he was on to discuss is called Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside. It's about his jaunts through the national park system and some meditations that he has on his agrarian philosophy along the way. With, of course, the biting cultural commentary that you'd expect from a comedian, and also this real urgency about convincing us that nature is more than just a place to hike. He argues that humanity's relationship needs to be more give-and-take and less take-take-take. It's about cohabitating sustainably with the planet and also with each other. Agrarianism isn't just for farmers, and it was wonderful to hear him make that case from a quiet bench in Central Park. Hello, good morning, Allison. So your book is about the outdoors, your outdoors, without giving your exact location. What do you observe right now in Central Park that would help us understand what your book's about? Well, uh, I'm looking at a pond-like body of water, uh, a great deal of autumn foliage that's attractive, and a, a pretty healthy rat. I mean, by, by New York standards, I, I'd give this one a, a B+. Plus. <laughs> he's, he's a big guy, huh? Or gal? He's a three. He's a three pounder. <laughs> oh my 
goodness. So uh, one of the first things you tell us in the book is that you use the label agrarian to describe your values. What does that mean? Well, agrarianism is a a type of land use. It refers to a, a sensibility of people who cultivate food mainly in a way that's equitable for the the soil, for the ecosystem that they're in, uh, and also for the people and, mo- and mother nature. So it's basically sensitive farming. It's, it's producing food in a way on a piece of land so that we can keep producing that food ad infinitum so that our grandkids can also have delicious tomatoes. So when you think about that, can that become a metaphor for other things in life for those of us who are our city bound folks? Happily so. Can we have an agrarian set of values even if we can't grow tomatoes? I guess we can on our windowsills, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think it's imperative that everyone swings toward agrarianism um, because it's all connected. The problems of climate change, the problems of COVID-19, like all of our social ills are all connected because the way we treat the soil, the way we treat our livestock, the way we treat our, our watersheds is related to the way we treat each other. Um, and, and so because we're all cogs and wheels in mother nature's sort of great mechanism, uh, if we can figure out how to treat everybody fairly, whether that means human rights and voting rights, or it means like, you know, uh, not killing all the, all of the microorganisms in the soil of the Midwest so that generations, you know, years from now can keep growing food there. It's all connected. My guest is Nick Offerman, live from a bench in Central Park. His new book is called Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside. You write in the book, you discovered the writer and poet Wendell Berry, and his work woke woke up something in you that was already there, but just needed to be sort of tilled and and excited. So we pulled a reading that Wendell Berry did for our public radio colleagues on the the program On Being that speaks to some of the themes you go into in the book. Let's listen to The Peace of Wild Things, Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Nick, what touched you about Wendell Berry's work? Well, I I grew up in a family with uh, a lot of common sense and a great work ethic (laughs) uh, in a small town in Illinois. And uh, when I read Wendell Berry, his work is so full of affection for for just regular, hardworking people, specifically farmers. And what struck me was realizing that the corporate food agribusinesses that supply most of our food in this country actually aren't trying to make our food as healthy as possible. Instead, they're, they're, they're passing laws to make our food less healthy 
so that they can make profits. And that that's the truth that struck me across mm-hmm. the face. I was like, wait a second, that's crazy that, that we're that we're not invested in trying to make our food as healthy as possible, but instead we're allowing companies to make our food less healthy so they can make more money. And so I said, I'm going to try and communicate the writing of Wendell Berry to people as much as I can for the rest of my life, because I think if when everybody sort of wakes up to that truth that we're lazily blind to, where does our food come from? Who's mm-hmm. making it and why? And are they taking care of Mother Nature? Are they taking care of the soil, the animals, the plants, and us? And the answer so often, far too often, is no, they're trying to make money. They're you know, if, if you just look at the eggs mm-hmm. at the grocery store, or the farmer's market, the hilarious amount of adjectives that are legally allowed. Just for example, your eggs can say either organic or 100% organic. Those are two different classifications. Right. So, that I, you know, I, I understand capitalism and I, I understand like shucking and jiving, trying to sell your product to people. But I don't think the food market is the best place or the healthiest place for that kind of obfuscation to occur. You use the word reverence to describe what you think is the ideal relationship with the natural world, and you contrast it with these, as you see these these church billboards you see outside of an airport in Montana on your way to one of your, on your travels. So what does reverence mean to you? And, and how, and what... What did those billboards make you think about reverence, those religious billboards? Well, gosh, I mean, I guess the root of my reverence is my, is my human fallibility. I have to start any such answer with the idea that I'm going to screw something up uh, <laughs> today, maybe seven things. And so I have to keep my eyes and ears open and my heart open so that I can continue to learn and and continue to try and screw up as infrequently as possible. And that allows me to notice what I think is right and wrong. And and usually what is right is based in affection or kindness or compassion. What's right is based in giving rather than taking. It's, it's based in making rather than destroying. So that's the, that's the root of, of the things that I revere people who who I learn from and who I can listen to who are also invested in the same things. That's that's the source of my reverence. And th- I think it's the same set of values that are at the core of most religions. Then, then there are billboards, the, the ones I talk about in my book, that are much more sort of commanding and harsh that mm-hmm. say, like, join our church or our, our dogma is the only dogma. And they're harsh, and they're, uh, it doesn't uh, strike me as inviting. I, I say, if you want me to come to your church, like shake my hand and say, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? Mm-hmm. If, if, you're, if you're in need of comfort, uh, we have this church. <laughs> and, you know, you can, get a, you can get a sandwich, you can get a hug, or just some kind words. But um, I, don't, I don't think having billboards that shout at people is a good way to, uh, to win people over to your ideology. My guest is Nick Offerman. He is calling us live from Central Park. We are in New York City. I heard that giant horn as we're having this conversation about <laughs> nature. <laughs> um, how's the rat doing? Is he still there? Has he moved on? 
No, he's moved along. Um, let me see if I still got this really fat squirrel <laughs> munching on what looks like a little hazelnut. Yeah. He's doing the what squirrels do. As you're walking these trails, you bring up indigenous people's relationship with the land you're hiking and with land in general. What is it you admire about their philosophies? Well, I mean, again, it's all part of, of the great, you know, looking at, at the human achievements in this country, which is something we're very good at. We're great at saying we're terrific. You know, look, look at this building we built. We're amazing. But then eventually uh, the building will fall or we realize that we're polluting the river or whatever it is that it's always a balance that any human conversation requires nuance and our relationship with the indigenous people is certainly uh, a huge subject in that category. And so when I'm hiking the trails, especially in the national parks, you you're faced with this incredible dichotomy. On one hand, you're blown away by the natural beauty and, and the majesty of our, of our nation's crown jewels. And on the other hand, if you think about it for a second, you realize, Oh, it's so pristine because we brutally scraped the, the indigenous people mm-hmm. out of this acreage uh, in, in the terrible way that we sort of, you know, that we conquered this, this country through, through war and genocide and everything else. And, and one of one of the terrible mistakes in that is that these people have spent millennia developing uh, successful economies, working, living in nature, and producing food and supporting their families. And we dehumanized them so that we could commit the atrocities we committed, and thereby we threw away their culture. We threw away their knowledge. They they had already done all the legwork of figuring out how to produce food in any given region. But we ignored that and said, look, here, you go to this reservation, we're going to bring in our European systems, and, and we're going to sink or swim. And, it, you know, it's one of the things I'm trying to get across with this book is, is that we always need to bring that sense of nuance to any conversation. Mm-hmm. This country has made incredible progress uh, in democratic ways, but we also have a, a really long way to go before all the citizens of this country I think, feel that we're the greatest, that, that they're all being treated in an equal way, which is the purported objective of our country. My guest is Nick Offerman, live from Central Park. The name of his book is Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside. You are not walking alone. In the book, there's a series of these hikes with writer George, George Saunders and Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. That's an interesting trio. <laughs> How did that come to be? Yeah. We we all met separately in the year t- 2014, uh, just in a weird, I don't know, trio of, of serendipitous meetings. We all met and kind of fell for each other and formed this three-way bromance and uh started up a friendship that, that is going strong. And, um, among other things, we all try to see each other whenever we can. And we, we commiserate and, and sort of, uh, lend an ear to each other when it comes to producing work or just being fans of each other's work. And that relationship led to when I was beginning to think about this book, it was actually Jeff's suggestion that 
the three of us go walk somewhere pretty. Hmm. And he said, you know, you can, we, we, we always have really inspiring conversations. And he said, you could, you could use our conversations for material for your book. And when, when your genius singer songwriter friend says that you hopefully say, thank you, Jeff Tweedy. Uh, let me book a trip to Montana as soon as I can. That was my conversation with Nick Offerman on his latest book, Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, The Pastoral Observations of One Ignorant American Who Loves to Walk Outside. That interview was picked by AOI producer Zach Goddard-Cohen for today's producer pick shows.